Okay, um, so today my topic is um, the Spirit-filled life. Um, I'm not going to be looking at um, the gifts of the Spirit, um, but instead looking at the virtues um, that should characterise the Christian life. Um, because when people look at us, they should see Jesus. And, and as part of that, um, we need to be um, exhibiting Christ-likeness and being conformed to his image. And um, the Christian virtues um, are a way of displaying that. And, and virtue is just simply defined as habits of excellence in difficult situations. So what I'm hoping today is just to sort of, um, I guess, op- just, just sort of bring, bring you a word that kind of just um, emphasises what it means to walk in the Spirit and what it means to display the fruits of the Spirit. So I'm going to be focusing on two passages. One is Galatians 5, 16 to 24, and um, 6, verses 7 to 9, and then Romans 8, verses um, 5 to 16. So if we just have a look at Galatians here, it says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what, you sh- what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives oh dear, um, us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarrelling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I've said before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And if we move on to the next slide. Um, Do not be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You'll always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. And if we go on to... um, Romans 8. Um, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit 
if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give you life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living in you. Oh, no. um, so keep going. Um, Therefore, dear, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if you... But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. So um, so what I'm going to talk about this morning is just kind of give you a little bit of context for where these passages appear in Galatians and Romans. Um, Then I'm going to talk about what it means to actually um, have a spirit-filled life, and then I'm going to move on to sort of a practical application. How do do you actually work this out in practice? Um, But I guess just a little bit of background. Um, One of the reasons why this is such a passionate topic for me is that I've been a Christian since not since August 1990, Um, but in about 2015, I started to realise the discrepancy between my life as as I was living it and what the New Testament described the Christian life um, should be. And I was realising that, you know, I'm pretty sure that between 1990 and 2015, I was saved, but there wasn't a transformation, a true level of transformational um, transformation happening in my life that I, I was actually happy with. And so um, a friend of mine put me onto a book called um, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by a guy called um, Pete Scazzero. And this was actually um, quite, to coin a phrase, um, transformational in my life. Um, because what it did was it kind of said, hey, look, you've actually got to deal with... Um, the shadow side of who you are and sort of the, the sort of the darker emotions that, um, that actually come up in your heart because a lot of us as Christians just kind of go, oh, well, we're saved now. We can't have those kind of dark emotions. But, but what Paul says is, look, these things are still going to be in your heart and it's actually an active conflict to try to try and work through and actually develop the virtues. And so, um, so the, the purpose of this is not to navel gaze and just look inside yourself all the time. The purpose of this is to actually um, see what's going on inside of ourselves so we can actually start to live a life um, where we exhibit the fruits of the Spirit because our job is to actually be people who reflect Jesus to the world. And, and if we've got those um, fruit in our life, then we're going to be able to do that more effectively. So we are called to be salt and light in the world. At the point where we obey Jesus, that is where the kingdom of God is present in the world. And so that's what I'm, that's what I'm hoping to achieve in my life, to actually have a habit of obedience so that people can see 
the light of Christ in me. Okay, so um, these passages appear in um, Galatians and Romans, which are two books in the New Testament. Um, Galatians was written in um, 49 AD, and um, it's Paul's angry letter. Um, if you all of all of Paul's other letters, you know, start out with this nice nice greeting, and in, in Galatians, Paul just goes, "Oh my goodness, what are you people doing?" Um, and so he's he's in Galatians, he's opposing a group of people called Judaizers. And I, now Paul had come along and said, look, um, salvation is by faith in, in Jesus alone. The Judaizers were kind of like going, yeah, Paul's not quite right in that you've got to um, be circumcised and obey the law. And then, you have, and then if you have faith in Jesus, you'll be saved. And so Paul, Paul's um, discussion of the fruits of the Spirit is actually in the context of that discussion. And then um, Romans was written in 54 AD, and it's a letter of introduction by Paul um, to, the, um, to the congregation in Rome. And it's one of the most um, important documents written in the history of Western civilization. Um, that book has had so a massive um, ramification for Western thought, and this idea of justification by faith alone is is transformational, and it's actually the idea that you need to get a hold of, because if you don't get a hold of what Paul's talking about in in the early part of Galatians and Romans, you'll end up sort of just treating um, exhibiting the fruits of the spirit as another law. And in actual fact, it's a work of grace. Um, so the, the gospel summary that Paul has in um, Romans 3, 22 to 28 says, This righteousness is given through faith, faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so to be just, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. And this is the important part. Where there is boasting, it is excluded. Because of what law? The law, the law that requires work? No, because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Um, and then the, the, the outcome of this is set out in chapter 5 where he says, Therefore we have been justified through faith. Since we have been justified through faith, we have paid peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And then, um, and then Romans goes on to sort of say, we're no longer slaves to sin, but to righteousness. But then Paul also recognises in chapter 7 of Romans um, that we're still going to struggle with sin. Um, but this is where, and the purpose behind the... Uh, the gospel is to actually change our identity. 
And this is where um, a, a really important concept, that we are beloved children of God. This is where you need to ground your identity. It says in, it says in um, Galatians chapter 4, verses um, 4 to 7, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we may receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our heart, the spirit who cries out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. And there's a similar passage in um, Romans 8 where it says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Um, this, is, this is really not complicated. All you have to accept is that you are a beloved child of God. And it's, um, it's interesting when you kind of look back into the Old Testament and see the exemplar of, of faith that sort of, you know, is held up as Abraham. He's the guy that was, um, you know, he, he, was made, he was made righteous through his faith. But if you actually look at the passage where that happens, um, basically all, all Abraham has done up to this point has been told by God that he's going to make him a blessing to the nations. He goes down to Egypt and causes a whole bunch of curses. He then comes back out of Egypt, and then God has another chat with him. Um, and, and God says, then the Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And God and, and Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. So all Abraham has done at this point is basically stepped outside of his tent and looked up at the stars and said, okay, God, it's not that hard to follow Jesus. It's real simple. So um, the order of the gospel is that Jesus is Lord, I am saved, and therefore I obey. Now the problem is, is that we often switch around the second and third of those points. We often live out of Jesus is Lord, I obey, therefore I am saved. And whenever you kind of think that your salvation is dependent on your obedience, you're essentially moving into works righteousness and you will end up being um, starting to live a pharisaical life. So what we're actually, but in actual fact, this, those, those verses about um, the spirit adopting us, they, um, when, when Jesus was baptized, the, the heavens parted and there was a voice that says, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. The spirit of adoption means that God speaks those words over your life every single day and at all time. Doesn't matter what you're doing, that is your status. Now, this is where, this is where the question of obedience comes in. 
When the love of God so deeply penetrates my heart that I know that I am saved by grace alone, then I will want to empty myself in service to others as an act of gratitude. And in doing so, I will be conformed to the image of Christ. So that is it. If, you hold, if there is only one thing that you take away from this sermon, it is this. You are his dearly loved child and you bring him great joy. You live out of that this week and, um, and everything else that I say is redundant because you'll actually experience this. Okay, so moving on to um, walking in the spirit. So how do we actually do this practically? So we've got our strong sense of identity as beloved children. And um, so the first thing we've got to do, I think there's another slide at this point. Here we go. Um, Yeah, so the first thing we've got to do is we've got to recognise the conflict. And this is what Galatians 17 said. You know, the sinful nature wants to do what is evil, which is the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires, the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And these are constantly in conflict. So we're not free to carry out our good intentions. Um, um, Our human heart is naturally selfish and sinful. And we do struggle to trust Jesus and let him be Lord. And so that's why we always go back to that, um, that switching around the I obey, therefore I'm saved. Because we, don't, we actually want to be able to hold on to something of our own that we can rely on in terms of our salvation. Um, Pete Sicasio um, has got a great line that says, um, Jesus may be in your heart, but grandpa is in your bones. And what he says, what this means is that, um, is that in actual fact, um, that we are born into um, cycles of sin. You didn't choose your family. Um, you are born into that family, and, and that will have affected you um, in ways that you may not even be aware of. And, and there'll be other people around you that are also born into their own cycles of sin. And so what you've actually got is you've got a situation where the challenge is, as a Christian is to not have a sin response to sin but instead to have a grace response to sin because when you do that to the extent that you're able to do that you can break the cycles of sin in your life and in other people's life so the second the second thing we've got to do is we've actually got to recognize um what's at stake and this is where um you know galatians is pretty clear do not be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. And this passage goes on to say, you will reap what you will sow. And, and you want to sow um, something that's going to um, harvest everlasting life in the spirit. So this is where we come down to that third point of, of obedience. And it's really important, I think, to sort of realize that when... When God is asking for obedience, he's not being a killjoy. He actually wants us to leave lives of abundance and blessing in alignment with the world that he created us to be in. And so that we often kind of look at the rules in the Old Testament as a bunch of do's and do nots. And Jesus said, look, you know, 
the whole law can be summed up in love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind and soul and love your neighbour as yourself. And so this is the thing. It's the law of love coming through again. And, and the, the benefits to us of, of actually obeying God is simply this. But when the spirit controls your mind, it leads to life and peace. And so, um, so we need to, next point is um, recognise where the conflict takes place. And um, Romans 8, 5 to 6 um, says that those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those that are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So this, this um, conflict takes place in your mind, and you've got to be able to sort of... Um, the really cool thing about the brain that I've learnt from sort of um, doing a lot of research as, as a parent is that the brain is actually elastic and you can actually change the biology of your brain by how you think. Um, this is not easy to do because when you've got into habits you've created neural pathways and um, it, can, it can be hard to do. Um, it can take up to 90 days to to create new, new neural pathways. But this is why, um, when you look at Jesus' focus on the Sermon on the Mount, um, he's, he seems to be setting a really high standard, and that's because he's focusing on our thoughts. He's saying, look, if you think angry thoughts towards a brother, you know, it's like you've committed murder. If you, if you think lustfully, it's like you've committed um, adultery. Because Jesus realises that... Um, our thoughts will lead to actions, and our thoughts actually govern our lives. So he wants, he wants that fight to be in our head, not in our actions, not, not in sort of just telling us to stop doing actions. Um, and finally, um, you need to recognise... Um, oh, OK, Phil's obviously uh, missed one of the... Uh, there's another one that says, um, recognise whether or not you are in step or out of step with the Spirit. And so that's when you kind of go back to the um, lists of um, the desires of, of our sinful nature and the um, fruit of the Spirit and, and just see what's actually being produced in your life and what, and what are you feeling and what are you thinking um, because that will help you... Um, That'll help you determine whether or not you're in and out of step with the Spirit. Now, um, because I'm over 40, um, sort of, you know, uh, 9 o'clock is the new 12 o'clock. So I don't really have to struggle with, um, with drunkenness and wild parties anymore. But if you look at the, um, yeah. you know, the other, the other um, fruits of the uh, sinful nature, these are things that, you know, we all struggle with on, on, on a daily basis. Um, but um, and, and it says when you follow the desires of your sinful nature the results are very clear so it's not just having, it's not just having the feelings but it's when you decide, deliberately decide to go down that path that's when you're going to reap death um, but the great thing about the fruits of the spirit love, joy, peace, patience kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness and self-control there is 
no law against these things. You can do as much of these as you want. So how do we, how do we get them? Um, well, we use what God has given us. That includes the truth of your identity, um, which we've talked about, being beloved children of God. The fact that sin has been crucified. So in actual fact, our, our sinful nature is dead and we just keep bringing it back to life. But the Holy Spirit keeps wanting to bring our, our new life to the surface. And finally, the Holy Spirit um, sits within us, and he is the spirit of truth, and he will guide us into all truth. So, um, so from an application point of view, what does this mean? Well, it means that like the passage in Genesis 1, the Holy Spirit hovers over the chaos waters of your life, ready to bring a new thing out of the chaos. So the, 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 these things are, um, are most difficult to apply, but most fruitfully applied in the challenging or difficult areas of your life. You need to listen to your emotions. That doesn't mean following your emotions, but actually listening to what's going on inside your heart. Are your emotions ordered or are they disordered? Which way do they point you towards? Um, to do this, you need to kind of sit in silence, in solitude. Um, and you need to be able to just sit quietly and find out what you're actually feeling. Trace it to the root, because at the root of it, there'll be an idol. I know that my shadow side, it wants um, control and glory to overcome a deep-seated sense of rejection in my life. The response, however, for me, is submission and humility grounded in a heart of worship. The other thing you can do is um, a prayer of examination at the end of each day. Um, this is where you just reflect on your day and, and um, see what, um, in your speech and in your conduct, and your, how you've loved in faith and in purity. Um, how have you actually lived through the day? And remember to be grateful for the good stuff, because this is not just about trying to get out the bad stuff, but when you actually see that you were in that difficult situation and you, and you exhibited peace, or you're able to love in that situation where it was really hard, this is actually Christ being formed in you, and so be grateful for it. Um, so the challenge is to bring difficult emotional circumstances and, and the feelings of emptiness that we sometimes get um, to God in prayer rather than deadening them with distractions. Um, so a word of warning, um, this process works both in the small and big areas of your life. If you have tra trauma in your past and you genuinely engage in this process, you'll need support. Um, you, you, and even if you're just dealing with smaller things in your life, um, you will feel, uh, you will often feel worse rather than better before you see change. Um, so trusted community is essential. You've got to have some people around you that you can trust and be open with who can actually provide some balance to you when you're actually looking at this stuff. Um, so yeah, so... I just want to. I just want to leave you once again with that with that statement about your identity. 
that you are a dearly loved child of God and you bring him great joy. So yeah, go and live out of that this week. Cheers. Thanks, guys.